How many of you enjoyed worship? I just loved worship time. and I love that last song, Because You're With Me. Because you are with me, I will not fear. Just, uh, you know, just in the last, uh, probably in the last year or so, just, just, uh, you know, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach a little bit of just a few things that God has just uh, been uh, developing, I guess, in me. But I, I'm about a year ago. It was about October. Pastor David, uh, he he probably won't even remember this passage. Um, I think it was John. 16, I was the, the very first words are from Jesus, do not let your heart be troubled. At that point in time, our son had just passed away, and that was just a real challenging time in, in our life. And that was the first message I heard. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart... And just over the last year, this is what God has spoken to me about, just on this one. He says, you know, it's up to you. He says, do not let it happen. Because fear wants to come upon all of us. Fear and trouble want to come against us. But Jesus says, do not let it happened to you. And I want to challenge you. I mean, there's different things that go on in all our lives, but, but you have the choice to let it happen or not. Later in that passage, Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. And then he says again, my peace I give to you. Now he's giving you his peace. And then he says, do not let your heart be troubled. And I want to challenge you this morning. You have a choice. Grab on, take a hold of peace and give, it's called, in, in football terms, if you ever see a running back, he gives a stiff arm to a guy that's trying to tackle him and he pushes. You can do that to fear. And you can, you can do that to a troubling, uh, situ um, troubling uh, spirit. You can literally stiff arm it and say, I'm not going to let you tackle me. Not going to let you take me down. Amen? I want to encourage you. Well, it seems like I, I, I get the opportunity and the privilege to preach at a different, like, for instance, I, I preached in June, just when we were turning into summer. And I remember I, I got to preach in January, just when it was starting a new year. And now it's September, and we're transitioning into another season of getting the kids back to school, starting up Sunday school. People have had their holidays and their breaks, hopefully. And I want to challenge each one of us. How many of you want to be fruitful. I want to talk, give a few keys on being fruitful. Um, if you've been part of life groups this year, we began 
began last October life groups with, and the Lord blessed Adam and Eve and said to them, be fruitful. That, what, what intrigued me that night, I, I specifically remember, be fruitful. It, it wasn't, it's not an activity. He's not, God didn't bless them and say, go about now being fruit, being fruit. He said, be. He was literally installing into them the attribute of be fruitful. In each one of us is embedded a characteristic of God to be fruitful. That's why if somebody poses the question, do you want to be fruitful? Most, most of us, just naturally, we want to be fruitful. Because it's ingrained and it's embedded into us. It's like a seed that God planted into each human being. And it's generated right back from Genesis when God blessed them and then said, be, be, be. It's a state of our being is to be fruitful. Now, I got a lot to unpack and such a little time to unpack it, but I want to start in John 15. Now, Kirsten, are we able to get scripture verses up there? Yeah, awesome. Thumbs up. 15. Let's just start with verse 1, and we're going to go right through to verse 5 as we read. Jesus says to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. In the King James, he says, I'm the husbandman, which is the garden caretaker. Every branch, I'll read from here, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, that sounds horrible, because you're, you're literally a branch connected to the vine, which is him. But, but if you go into the Greek, the, the, the words takes away, it, it literally means it's, it's a process. And the first step of the process, if you're not bearing fruit, it says he lifts you. He, he, he lifts you up and takes special care so that you will regain fruitfulness. So I know it sounds really harsh, but it, it's not that harsh. He, he literally lifts you up and, and cares for, gives you a little extra attention to, to, to generate fruitfulness. And then if you still don't get it, well, then he takes you away. That's the second half of the definition. All right. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. The Greek word literally means he cleanses. It's not just a cutting away. It's, it's literally a cleansing. And in the next verse, we'll see it's actually his water, the, the water of his word that comes and cleanses. I don't know about you. Every time I spend a little extra and more time and I'm... Do, I make a consistent effort to be more consistent in, in, in reading the word. God speaks to me a little more and deals with me a little more. And it's, it's actually not him taking away. Uh, it's it's his, his word that brings a conviction to me. 
and says, okay, I got to stop acting like this. I got to stop having this attitude. I got to stop talking. this." And literally, it's his word that comes and he sharpens our spirit and sharpens our soul to the point where pruning happens. And as a result of that pruning, we bear more fruit. All right, next verse. You are already cleaned. It's the same word as pruned. You are already purged, cleaned, pruned because of the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4. Now, here we go. Abide in me. There's your key number one. Abiding in the vine. Abide in me and I in you. Have you ever seen a branch that has fallen away off of the vine? For instance, we in our front yard, I, about once or twice a year, I, I clip this, this bush that we have. And after about two or three days, the clip that has now been separated from the life of the tree, the life of the vine, it starts turning brown, it starts drying out, and it, it, goes, it gets discolored. But when there is union... When there's a union between the branch and the vine, when there's a union between you and Christ, there's a life that flows and there's a fruitfulness that occurs. As the branch cannot bear fruit all by itself. Whenever I cut those, those branches off, the, the part that stays on the tree, after a while you see buds coming, you might even see it flower, and maybe there's even fruit. The part that gets cut off and this gets left laying on the ground, nothing more develops. So, without the vine, the, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it can, the word, I'll get into the definition, abides in the vine. Neither can you be fruitful unless you abide in me. And verse 5, again, Jesus says, I am the vine. I think he's stating this over again because of some of the things he had to deal with with his disciples. He's making sure they understand, you're not the vine. The life doesn't flow through you guys because I've seen some of your propensities. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Amen. Amen. As I was thinking about this passage... What does it mean to abide? What does it mean to abide in the vine? Because it can be very abstract. Well, I'm not a branch, and I don't see Jesus the vine, so it becomes a very abstract thing, and we can just let it slip and, and flitter away and forget about it. But I want to go over to Psalms 27. If you could put Psalms 27, verse 4 up. I want to look at two very specific keys. Very specific points of what it does it mean to abide. One thing have I, one thing I have desired of the Lord. That will I seek. That I may 
dwell in. Here's the one thing. The one thing that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. When the New Testament came along, it was in Greek and Aramaic. And so what happened is a lot of the Jews at that time, they just kind of lost their Hebrew language. and they So they, they took the Old Testament and they, they translated it into the Greek so that the, the Jews that were speaking Greek and then the, now the new Christians who were from Greece and were Gentiles, they could read it. And when they translated this, and it's called the Septuagint, the word dwell is abide. So one thing have I desired, that I may abide. I want to just read a few of the words for abide, just so we can get an idea. Abide means to remain. That's a really challenging concept in the 21st century, is to remain. It means to continue. I don't know about you. I have children that have grown up in the last 25 years, 26 years. And it's, it's, it, I mean, when I was a kid, I hadn't had no problems focusing. <laughs> but my children seem to have a problem focusing. And this is my word. Stay with me. Stay with me. Look at me when I'm talking. And, and this idea of dwelling with me, like focusing, staying with me, paying attention, that's what God that's what David desired. That's what God, Jesus, when he says, you got to abide. Stay with me here. Let, pay attention. What, I don't know what your devotional time looks like. In the, I, do, I try to do it the best I can in the morning. And I'm getting better, and I'm getting better, and it's been awesome this last year. Just, But I remember waking up in the morning and the thing was, read a chapter. I'd read a chapter, it took about five minutes. And if it was Psalms 117, it took about 10 seconds, because it has two verses. So depending on which chapter you read, it could take anywhere from a minute to five minutes. I'm done. Yes, I just abided with the vine this morning. And then I'm off. And then as I'm driving to work, I don't even remember a thing I read. That's hanging in for five minutes. That's not abiding. That's not continuing. What I have found, and you know what? You may have your system, and that's awesome. And I, I don't want to necessarily change it. What I have found for myself is I literally memorize one or two passages. Now, that could be one verse that's really meaningful, I have, there's like four chapters that, for the last year, I just go over every morning. And I've just let it grow in me. And I have stayed 
in literally, a, I, I, I read various books of the Bible and, and letters like from Paul. And, and I, I read and I'll do that. But that's different than my mornings that I just sit. Actually, I walk. But I walk and I just let God's word seep into me. I literally memorized certain passages. And I'll just, as I'm walking, I'm just, I'm talking out loud because it's early in the morning and there's nobody there. And I just walk and I just, I just say these passages of scripture. I just, and they've developed in me. This is one of Psalms 27, amazing passage of scripture. And literally as you, Throw verse one up there. Just, I, just want, I just want to show you just a couple things that, that God just, as I, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength. Of my, now, this has just been an amazing, can you do 27 verse one? This has just been a, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and myself. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And you know, as, as I would walk, I'd think about, okay, it's amazing how some God is now connecting other thoughts. John 1.1 1, 1 talks about the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Same was In Him was, listen to this, in Him was life, and that life was the light of me. All of a sudden, God is saying, yeah, you know what? The Lord is my light. You know, I create. This is what, how God just starts. I created you. I know every detail about you. I know exactly where you are. I know exactly what you're going through. I know what, exactly what you're going to be facing, but I'm your light. But you know what, Daniel? That also means I'm your life. That means I'm your creator, I know every detail, and I will, I will help you through. Then, he's my salvation. Wow. The light, who is my life, was the word. The word is Christ. All of a sudden, Christ my Savior. All of a sudden, God is developing himself in me. I want to get to that point in a second. But... As you dwell, as you remain, and I want to challenge each one of you, you want to be fruitful, remain with, remain in, in the Word. Stay connected to the Word. Stay connected to your Savior throughout the day. It's amazing how these, the verses that God's just embedded into, they just come out at different times. They just, I, an, a, an amazing passage of scripture. It's uh, Galatians 4, 19. Galatians 4, 19. King James says, my little children. Did you get that? Sorry, Kirsten. Galatians 4, 19. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ is formed in you. You want to be fruitful. Allow Christ to be formed. That's what happens when you dwell in his word. 
as you dwell upon what he has said about you, said to you, said about your adversaries, said about your future, the promises that he's given to you, as you dwell, and as you dwell on his word, which God's word cannot be separated from him. Because Christ is the living word. And his word, written form, describes him. It's all about him. It's all about his salvation. So as you dwell on that, as you listen to the Holy Spirit tell you about you, what happens is Christ is formed. That's When you get down to all the base, you know, Christianity has a lot of issues and topics, but, but when, you, when you strip them all away and you come down to the singular purpose of your life, it's all about your relationship with God and becoming more and more like him. That's it. That's it. It's all about Christ being formed in you. Because out of that, you hear his voice. Out of that, it's, Paul says we have the mind of Christ. We become more and more like him. We start talking more like him. Acting more like him. Feeling the, the compassion and the mercy. and the, We be, become, you, we feel more and more the way he feels. And it happens as you dwell, as you abide, as you stay connected as a branch to the vine. The life flows. The life flows. And out of that comes fruitfulness. It's nat it'll become natural. God didn't say, Adam and Eve, I bless you and work as hard as you can to be fruitful. No, he said, be fruitful. Be fruitful. I'm fruitful. You've been created in my image. So fruitfulness will, will automatically happen. So many people are running around trying to fulfill an assignment, fulfill a calling, and they forget about Christ. And they crash and they burn because there's no life left in them after they've exhausted themselves. Here's a much better way. Become like Christ. Focus on relationship with Christ. Dig into his word. Allow Christ to be formed in you, and fruitfulness will happen. It will happen. It'll happen through conversation. It'll happen through a kind, an act of kindness. It'll happen over a coffee. It'll happen over a visitation. It'll happen. If we can go back to Psalm 27, verse 4. Before I go back to you, again, I've mentioned I enjoy the, the Passion Translation. Listen to what he, the, the passage that was just up there. He says, you, this is Paul, you are my dear, dear children, but I agonize in spiritual labor pains once again until the anointed one will be fully formed in your hearts and then become visible through your life. If you will focus 
on becoming more and more like Christ, it'll just become visible through your life. It'll become who you are. You'll be fruitful. You will be fruitful. I love this scripture. So he says one thing, but then he says three things. That I may dwell, abide, uh, to behold, and to inquire. And, and what, what I believe, this is just Daniel. I believe that beholding and inquiring is what it means to dwell. The one thing was, is to dwell. And then David says, and this is how I do it. And I want to look at those two words. To behold means to gaze. To gaze. To look and actually to perceive. And what are you, you, you beholding? The beauty, which means the pleasantness, the goodness of God. Today, we, we look at so many negative things. And we let the, the negative so impact our lives that we literally become negative ourselves. I want to challenge you. Gaze on the goodness. I, I walk every morning, and sometimes the sun is just coming up, and it's just, oh, man, I just say, God, your, the, your creation is beautiful. There's trees. There's the sunshine. Sometimes the clouds. And then you see this red sky. I just say, God, you are amazing. You are so beautiful. And then it, then it just naturally seems. That it's just, God, I'm so thankful that you're my light. <laughs> you embedded your life into me. Lord, I thank you that you. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm looking around me. In quietness, no busyness of life at this point. And I'm looking at the beauty of God. I'm looking. I'm nothing else. Nothing else. There's crows. There's crows, and they, they literally follow me. And I just, yeah, they don't follow me anymore. But that's a long story. <laughs> but it, it's, it's amazing how if you will look. Hebrew says, looking unto Jesus. And looking unto Jesus literally means turning away from whatever it else was distracting you, harassing you, complicating your life. Turning and just looking to Jesus. Actually, I was thinking, I, I have a brother, older brother than me, and he's a real go-getter. He's a go-getter. He's a go-getter. And, and uh, my dad owned a steel shop when I was younger. And, and my brother, um, he became like the top fabricator in the business. And he, to, to replace him, you'd need about three fabricators for the amount of work the amount of energy, just, and he was a 
go get her, go get her, go get her. And we introduced into his life one time this young boy who was not necessarily a go-getter in the steel fabrication business. And, and one day, this young boy was working, and, and we, we were making these bins. And they were about four feet high, like a big, an open end. And, and his job was to go in there, and where the welding happened, he was to clean it. Clean off the welds, make it nice. And one day, my brother, the go-getter, couldn't find this young kid. Couldn't find him anywhere. And he's walking all around and, and getting himself worked up. And, and he walked past the bin that this young guy was supposed to be working in. And there's the young guy inside, laying down. His hands behind his head. And my brother was just like, I... I I wasn't there, I just heard the story, but he was a little rough around the edges and probably a few choice words came out of his mouth. And this is what the young, young, young boy said. Don't you ever take the time just to watch the birds? <laughs> he got fired that day for the first time. He, he did come back and work some more, but... But uh, he did not last that day. But that's what God says to us. Behold my beauty. Take the time to look at the birds. Who are you looking for? Your mom. Well, yeah, I don't know where your mom is. But <laughs> take the time. It, it sounds like it shouldn't work. Take time to look at the birds and you'll be fruitful. <laughs> it sounds the opposite to our thinking. Take the time, first of all, to dwell. And, and literally, one of the words for dwell means to sit. Take the time to sit and look at me, at my beauty, at who I am. Be amazed by who I am, my saving power, my, my, the beauty of my creation. Meditate on who, who I am, and you'll be fruitful. It doesn't make sense, but the, one of the keys to being fruitful is to gaze. Unfortunately for us, too much of our gazing is at the hustle and the bustle, the negativity, the conflicts, the, the, the stuff that goes on in society. We gaze at the wrong thing. And this morning, I want to challenge you. You want to be fruitful? Gaze upon who saved you. Look, look at the one who saved you. Your light is your salvation. He's the strength of your life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The troubles, no, doesn't matter. I'm looking at my Savior. 
the one who cleanses me. His word cleanses me, purifies me. And as a result, as I do that, I become fruitful. Amen? Ah, oh, to behold the beauty of the Take some time to sit. I was talking to one of the moms in the church, and one of, and I'm, I'm trying to get Kieran to learn this, but this mom told me her, she has her son read God's Word, then says, okay, now just sit and think about what you've read, and then come and tell me maybe what God revealed to you, what he said, what you're thinking about what he said. Can you imagine, as adults, if we incorporated that into our life, read God's word, then sit and reflect on what God just said to you. Because when you read God's word, that's God personally writing to you. And as you allow that to just sink in, fruitfulness will happen. Will happen. Second part, to inquire. To inquire. Oh, here. Just, you know what? Sorry. I, I, I talk and then I look at my notes. Here, to behold means to gaze, to perceive. It means to contemplate. What is the most contemplation we do throughout the day? Is we watch a murder mystery at night on TV and we're wondering, I wonder who done it. That's the extent of our contemplation. Oh, this legal case on TV. I wonder, I wonder how it's going to turn out. I bet you this is going to... And that's the extent of our contemplation. I want to challenge you. Get a good book, preferably God's Word. Read a little bit of that and then contemplate that. Contemplate that. Uh, it means to mentally perceive mentally perceive what does read something what does god show you how many of us literally take the time after we've god speaks to us in a worship time in a message while we're reading uh, maybe after an argument with your spouse maybe god can talk to you take some time and just Close your eyes for a second. After you've read your, God's word, literally just close your eyes and, and, and behold. Behold isn't a, a physical looking. It's a mental perception. So you can close your eyes and see. Go figure that one out. All these, op God's kingdom is so opposite. Do nothing and be fruitful. But here, close your eyes and just say, okay, God, what are you showing me? You've had maybe a horrible, you know, I remember one of my sermons was, there was a book that was called My Horrible, No Good, Rotten, Bad Day or something like that. Very bad day. Okay. Well, you, you can literally have one of those kind of days, then come home Close your eyes and say, okay, well, God, what were you showing me? And have just a, a moment of peace, a moment of just sitting, dwelling, 
but but now now you're looking and say, okay, God, where are you in all this? What have you got to say to me about all this? Wow, it's powerful. It's powerful. It's powerful. The next is to inquire. To inquire means to consider. Think about. So beholding is mental perception. And now to inquire is to consider, to reflect, to inspect. How, much of, how many of us really evaluate? Most of us react. Most of us uh, uh, will get angry. But how many of us evaluate? Evaluate. And here's something. I don't, I don't know about you, but, but me. Something, something will happen with another person. And that night, for about 30 minutes, maybe an hour, I can sit there and I can think of my next conversation with that person. And I think about what I'm going to tell them. And I think about what I, I'm going to tell them what I think about them. I'm going to tell them. Have anybody ever done that? Okay. See, you know what? You know what that's called? You are actually meditating. Uh, something goes wrong with the car. And that night it's like, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to get a car running? Where's that money going to come from? Oh man, you know what this means? This means this, and this means that, and this. And we have built an, a, a totally negative snowball by, by literally meditating on the negative. And we meditate, probably most of us meditate quite regularly. But what are you meditating on? Are you meditating on uh, the beauty of the Lord? <laughs> the goodness of the Lord? Are you thinking about, are you considering, are you, ev listen, evaluate, evaluate this. Christ, I, I was a sinner and Christ died for me. Now, by accepting salvation, accepting what he did, now I become a new creation. Think about that. How many of us really ever think about that? I am a, a new creation. Therefore, maybe I was a thief when I was not saved. Maybe I was a thief. I'm now saved. I've changed my lifestyle. Now there's all kinds of stress in my life because this is going on. This and now all of a sudden, in your mind, you know you're a thief. You could really fix this problem. You're a thief. You know what you can actually say about that? Uh, I don't know who you're talking to. Because that isn't me. Because I'm a new creation. So I'm no longer a thief, or I'm no longer a liar, or I'm no longer a murderer, or I'm no longer a cheater. By, by allowing the salvation 
of God. Now, to, to, to come up into your life, you are now a new creation. Now, evaluate that. We know what we we dwell on. Okay, yeah, I yeah, I was a lie. I was, I, I was a thief at one time. So I could do this and I could do that, and that would just totally fix my problem. And we, literally, the 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 thought that comes into your mind that oh yeah, I'm a thief, it's a lie. It's literally a lie that is bombarding your mind to make you think. This is still you when what Christ has done for you, literally, you're a new creation. And, and, and actually Galatians says that, you know, all that handwriting of your former life, of all the past mistakes and failures has been blotted out. So literally, everything from my past that Satan wants to come and bombard our mind with is a lie because that's not who you are. And we get tripped up and we get thwarted and we get literally entangled again in the, now that's biblical language. Galatians 5.1 says, don't become entangled again in the yoke of the bondage of your past. Why? Because you've been freed of that. The chains of that have been broken. Literally, you're now a new creation. Now God's grace is upon your life. And the grace is to strengthen you and give you the power and the ability to stand against. Grace isn't, I can sin and be forgiven and that's God's grace because it just kind of washed. No, the grace God talks about is literally the strength and God's spirit and divine power in your life to resist the sin, to resist the thought process, to be able to get rid of the imaginations that want to come and entangle you again. And literally, by sitting, and while you're sitting, you're gazing upon the beauty of Christ, and now you're contemplating and considering God's goodness, God's work in your life. God's, and you're literally evaluating what God has said about you. Literally, as that, happened, as that happens, Christ is formed in you. Why? Because you're the branch connected to the vine, and literally you have his life flowing into you. And as you allow that process to work in your life, Christ becomes formed in you. All of a sudden, the mind of Christ is developing in you. I, I ask God, God, give me understanding. Because whenever I read different things, whether it's the Proverbs or I read some of the parables, it's, it's, it's because... The people's understanding was dull. And I'm like, God, God, give me understanding. And then, and then in God's word it says, yeah, God gives understanding. Do you know what I realized? It's up to me to develop the understanding that he's given to me. 
Each one of us has, when we become saved, we have the mind of Christ in us. It's there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the very last verse. I don't know what number it is. The very last verse of chapter 2. Verse, it says, but you have the mind of Christ. Now develop it. It'll sit there dormant. You know, when I was in high school, this guy, he used to build, he used to operate big machinery, and, and they would make big grass fields. And, and they would, he was a big bulldozer, and he said, you, you bulldoze the whole thing, and it wouldn't, and then you throw the seed, the seed, the grass seed, and for two months, like we've just had, it wouldn't rain. And you could step on that ground, and there would just be a puff of smoke, or, or dust, But you know what? The seed was still there. And you know what activated the seed? Just some water. Some water would come and activate the seed. You know, you have the mind of Christ in you. Now you let the water of the word come and wash and cleanse you. And pretty soon you will start developing and you'll start growing we love the quick fix. We love the instantaneous. We love the microwave. But God seems to work by the crockpot method. The slow, the slow cooker. Oh, it tastes better. Yeah. That's right. You can marinate it. Oh, man. Take some time to sit. To sit. To sit and gaze. Look at the birds. <laughs> this is going to be the funniest story ever. I, guess, I remember it was like yesterday. Yeah. Pastor David gave us Isaiah 51. Can you do 55, Isaiah 55, 11? Anybody, before it goes up there, anybody know what it says? So shall my word be that. This is one of our meditation scripture verses. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. Now, so shall my word be is a continuation of verse 10. Put verse 10 on. Look at, this is like amazing. This is one of those walking, walking in my morning and my mind just goes, wow. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and it does not return there, but rather the water, it, it waters the earth. And now look what happens. Now remember, so shall my word be. God's word is like the water. Okay? God's word is like the rain that comes down. And what does it do? It waters the earth. If you read some of the parables, you are the earth. Your, 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 your heart your spirit, your soul, you, you, are, you are the soil. You are the earth. And this is what happens. It makes you, the ground, the water of the word, makes you bring forth and makes you bud. You don't think, have you ever seen a seed struggle to grow? 
No, a seed doesn't do that. The water comes, it activates the seed, and the seed just comes forth. And like rain and the snow, does not return, but rather it comes and it waters the seed of the word, and it causes it to bud, break forth, and then what does that seed do? It gives new seed, and it gives bread. There's your fruitfulness. There's your fruitfulness. Then verse 11, so shall my word be. That comes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I want to challenge you. Take those. I think I handed out a bunch of sheets of paper with those scripture verses. Dig into the chapter. Read Isaiah 55. It's a, that's Isaiah 55. What an amazing chapter. We, we also had Isaiah 54 on that sheet. Go into the verses and, and gaze upon what the Word says. Evaluate what the word says. Don't evaluate the news. Trudeau and Trump. Don't sit there and try to figure them out. Figure out what God says about you. That's way more powerful. Way more exciting. Way more exciting. Amen? Amen. How many of you still want to be more fruitful? Chill out. <laughs> then sit and let God's word sink into you. I challenge you, memorize a couple scripture verses. Memorize a couple chapters. Memorize. Let, let it just soak into you. Let, let the water of the word. And as you let it soak into you, wow, it's, it's, it's reforming. It's reforming. Amen? Oh. Matthew 13 is a powerful passage. Read it. It's a so parable of the sower. Amen. If you want to be more fruitful in your life, why don't you stand? Just stand. I, I, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna, this is my closing verse. This, this is, God said to Moses, okay, tell Aaron to pray this prayer over the people. It's uh, uh, Numbers. Numbers chapter 6. It's the last chapter. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and get him and, and thus you shall bless the, the children of Israel. And you will say to them, and I'll get to that. He, but this is, what, this is what God says. He says, when, when you invoke my, this is what God says. This isn't me just making this. When you invoke my name on them, <laughs> then I will then bless them. So God said that Aaron, the priest, Pastor, 
can speak words and that literally invoke God's name on them. So I'm going to do that to you, if, if you're okay with that. It's, it's not spooky, okay? <laughs> but if, if you want to be fruitful, allow God just to think about God more. Actually, I was, oh, I don't have it with me. I was at Kieran's basketball practice. Sorry, I'm just going to take one more extra minute. And, and the coach said, okay, how many of you guys want to be basketball players and improve basketball? Every, yeah, that's why we're here. Okay, okay, think of all the things that you need to do to improve your basketball skills. And they're all thinking, okay. And then he says, now do them. Now, think of all the things that stop you from being a better basketball player. Okay, yeah. Stop doing them. <laughs> I, I was so inspired by that. I wrote it in my phone. It was just like, wow. It's a simple formula. You want to be fruitful? Think about God more. Spend more time with God. Evaluate what he said about you, what he's done for you, who he, more God, less uh, CNN, awesome, less Fox or uh, global, ugh. But more, you, you want to be more fruitful? More God, uh, less junk food. Less junk food. Now, we all know what junk food is to us. We all have, we have our own junk food. I love Reese's Pieces. No more Reese's Pieces, Daniel. More God, less Reese's Pieces. Some of you, it's a Kit Kat. I don't know. More God, less of, amen? Facebook, oh yeah, Facebook. I know my life is revolutionized after I stopped going to Facebook. It's literally revolutionized. All right. You want to be more fruitful? I'm just going to read a passage of Scripture. Let's all close our eyes and pray. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Now be fruitful. Be fruitful. Amen. God bless you. Have a great, hopefully a holiday for you tomorrow. Have a wonderful afternoon. Amen. Amen.